Hey, welcome back for another episode of Driven by Design, the only show that shows you the future of automotive design. With the man who's been there and back, our driven designer, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Hey, how's it going? I'm so <laughs> thrilled at this show. We could <laughs> Me go, too. This is such a cool conversation that needs to be had. Who would you bring with you this time from your little select secret tribe of car designers and people in the design world. Yeah, so for my very first guest, I brought somebody very special to me, somebody I've worked with for a long time in the car industry. Her name is Jill Canales. Um, I brought Jill in today to kick this off because Jill has the most amazing philosophy, I believe, uh, that combines creative experience with this optimism and open-mindedness. And I believe that's going to be really the spirit of the show. So without further ado, hello, Jill. Welcome to the show. Hello. It's great to be here. I'm glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about your background. Give us like the 40,000-foot view of what have you done in the car industry and outside. Yeah, yeah. well, I had a a unique role, a role that most people don't know about in automotive. It's called a color and material designer. What does that mean? So as a color and material designer, you're in charge of every material in the vehicle and the color. So the plastics, you're talking the the dashboard or the panels, it's the grain or texture, the shade of, of the hue that it is, the exterior body color, carpet, leather, the headliner, you know, what is above you. All of that has to be designed. And so it's it's not is it are you picking colors? Or are you designing colors? How does that work? <laughs> you're actually designing it from, you know, the the chemistry of the paint and in creation of something completely new. So we're working with all the different manufacturers. So paint suppliers like BASF, PPG, we're working with four or five different um, fabric uh, mills. We're working with carpet companies. And you are, as a color material designer, you're creating the vision, the concept of what this car needs to feel like because color materials are add this sort of layer of this um, experiential quality that people often don't understand. Yeah, what, tell me a bit more about that because I, on one hand, it's like, I think if you're hearing this for the first time, you'd be like, oh, that's a, that's a decorator. But it's more than that, right? Mm-hmm. What you're sort of alluding to is that you're, it sounds like you're creating the mood of the space, right? Exactly, yeah. And what does that mean? Like, yeah. how, do you, how, do you, how do you understand what the mood of that space is going to be? Well, you, you, it's really understanding that, you're, that color and materials direct your experience and give you unspoken cues of how you should how to feel in that space so like a deep dark luxe luxury type of vibe versus for example the xterra yellow the yellow i don't know if you know the the kind of it's really iconic at one point saturated yellow almost like a taxi yellow like like when you see that color you're going to think uh, intuitively, oh, sport, mm-hmm. bright, happy, extroverted. That's a great one to draw on. Did, did you? Because I think that uh, if you are you creating that parallel in people's minds, or are you drawing from other industries that where they associate yellow being tied to something else, and then that brings it in? That's a great question. Because colors, I think, by in their very nature, and apart from t- taxi cab yellow, which I noticed that you, you said is great. Um, kind of association that people might have subconsciously, but colors by very nature uh, evoke feelings because uh, our eye actually takes color in on a um, physiological level. So mm-hmm. like the color blue is calming by nature. Mm-hmm. Red elevates our heart rate oh, wow. and causes excitement. So there is that very natural understanding of how color materials kind of our experience of them, but then there's also a- associative 
aspects as well, like sports cars are usually red, and we associate those two together. It's interesting, because so you can really affect people's mood or uh, by the actual colors that you're developing. Um, also, I would imagine that in colored materials, because I, you know, I know your background, and I, I want people to understand the, the breadth of what this is. You've worked on a lot of production cars that people have, have in their driveways and have had in their driveways. There's sort of a research quality to what you're mm-hmm. doing, too, it seems like, because you're sort of trying to understand the sensibility of people. Mm-hmm. And I know you transitioned into research from color. Mm-hmm. And that's where it led you where you are now. Right. Talk a little bit about how you move from color and material into research. Okay, so that's a great question. So um, color material is really understanding, for me, it's always been about understanding the psychology of experience. And so then that na- naturally led me into studying people. Like I just, that's my true passion is actually studying how we experience things and and that was my role a bit at Nissan was kind of taking that those product planning documents you know all that research done and so the product planners would turn over this this kind of like mandate to the design team say this is what who you're designing for and this is what it should do Mm -hmm. and I know that everyone looks at a document and has their own interpretation of it Mm -hmm. and what's important is that we have a a shared meaning of what that document means and bring it to life. And so that's part of what the work that you would do uh, to help people understand the research that had been done. It's almost like research on research. Right. It was, no. it's, it's called design research. And what I would do is then design experiences for the design team to understand those people directly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it, so when you're working in, in two different fields, like color materials and then research, you know, I know that um, you, you've had this fascinating career uh, in, in the car industry and then you transitioned out of the car industry. Tell me a bit about what it's like to leave sort of the nest uh-huh. of something very identifiable that everybody mm-hmm. relates to, to something maybe no one's heard of. What, <laughs> talk about, what was that like for you? I know, I didn't understand how special it was until I left, really. Because I, I, I fell into automotive design right from college. It was my first job out of school. And um, Yeah, I think you're, tell me, yeah, you were a color material designer who had a senior thesis that was yeah. black and white. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I studied I studied textile design in school, and um, I was kind of finding myself and my creative voice. And as part of that journey, my junior year in college, I actually said everything I wanted, everything I'll create this year is black and white. I will not use <laughs> you, color. You have two choices. Yeah. <laughs> and my professors were really upset with me. They're like, "No, th- this this project is mandated to be about color." And I was like, "Well, I'm paying." I'm paying for this education. <laughs> what, was it, what, was, what drove you uh, what, as a driven designer? What drove you to go black and white from color? I mean, what, what did you want to achieve from that? Oh, it, it's, at that point, it was all about, I was studying pattern. I was obsessed with pattern. Is I'm an odd character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to tell you, my favorite shape back then was the square. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so the square spoke to you. Yeah. And the pattern spoke to you. So you eliminated color eliminated, to study color? Yeah, I eliminated... It was all shades of gray, black, uh-huh. white, shades of gray, because I really just wanted to reduce it to pattern study. Was so most you were important. 50 shades of gray before it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jill, so after you, yeah, I do want to hear this story. So after you left sort of the, the, the you know, the car companies, what, um, I think that a lot of people can relate to transitioning out of a job that's familiar to something yeah. new. Talk about what that was like when you, when you left and, uh, and you went into a totally new industry. Yeah. What were the... 
What's, what was it like? What, what happened? Well, it, it was interesting. My, even though I was in my 30s, my mother was terrified for me. <laughs> 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 Are you sure you're leaving? Yeah. I mean, it was really, a, I was at Nissan for 14 years, and it was a dream job. I mean, mm-hmm. I traveled the world. Mm-hmm. I worked with designers in Japan and Europe, and I went to factories in Mexico. And, like, it was just a remarkable experience working with an amazingly talented group of designers. But, alas, after 14 years, I had just done all that I could do at that time. Mm-hmm. And I rode this amazing wave at the design studio and the wave was kind of like it was an ebb and flow and mm-hmm. kind of things were shifting. And I just knew I needed other experiences. So yeah, I remember that period of life, you know, for people that don't know, Jill, Jill is, is fiercely creative and she's always sort of looking to be inspired, which I think is, is a neat part of mm. m- what makes a good designer is always looking for something new. So if you were at this, uh, you know, this very interesting, you know, well-defined job and you go into mm. something totally new, uh, yeah, tell us what, what, what was your first day on the job after well, you left? I well, I went. I left Nissan to go to a startup. So okay. from a you know multi-billion-dollar global organization, mm-hmm. you know, where unlimited, seemingly unlimited budgets and yeah. <laughs> you know this amazing life, I went to this tiny little materials manufacturer in Salt Lake City, <laughs> designing architectural materials. And uh, I mean, it was just me and a team of two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So you sort of can and have to do everything, it sounds like, in an yeah. environment like that. Yeah, and like every night, fires were burning. Like yeah. you went home and, and like you had to show up every single day or the businesses was not going to operate. Right. It's a very different feeling than a global organization. Yeah, yeah, if you're working in a studio where the, you know, the mantra is, you know, you have a freedom to fail and you go somewhere out where the, mm. the failure, you find out what real failure is. Right. and you the can't repercussion. Fail. You can't fail. <laughs> Sorry. You but, can't so, fail. but I think it was interesting that you took on a new role then uh, yeah. that you hadn't done. And so, and I think that's as inspiring for a listener is that you know you you took on a marketing role in addition to your research and color material. Yep. You literally went to a materials company, and you had to learn it on the go. Was that was that scary? Was it fun? What, it was it, so fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. What made it fun? Um, we I was working for a manufacturer. It was a resin. It was, so it was, the company is called Three Form, and mm-hmm. we made architectural materials resin with materials decorative elements encapsulated in it's it. like that material if you're ever like in a hotel lobby a high-end hotel or like a you know a doctor's office where it's sort of translucent and yeah. there's like natural materials in it right uh, yeah just so yeah. people get a visual right, yeah. right. so You'll you were s- developing that right so i was i went from a product designer and researcher at nissan to the head of marketing and product for a startup so going to a small company allowed me to transition into marketing and i mean lucky me be just transition to a vice president position (laughs) when you go small you can be big (laughs) (laughs) when they go small we go big i like that (laughs) when you go small you can be big i love that um in fact that's exactly what kind of happened is that you i think it's inspiring so people i think and i have this myself sometimes it's scary to go into something that you don't know because how am i going to do this i'm i've never done this role but and you didn't have a marketing degree but you had absorbed a lot of marketing knowledge by working in a, in, a, in a very sophisticated marketing environment. Right. Well, and that's interesting because in that's, that's what I always say at Nissan, being a designer, you have to champion your ideas at, you know, for two to three years. You're convincing people to go in a certain direction, to, mm-hmm. to go with what you've created, and you become a marketer. Mm-hmm. And so then when I shifted into architectural materials, I was actually marketing to architects and designers, commercial architects and designers. So... I actually under I, I had sort of been doing that role. I knew how to sell, and mm-hmm. I knew how to sell to 
it was basically selling to people like me, people who are specifying materials. Materials. And so you're, but you're in a new context and a new world and a new role. How do you, as a designer, stay inspired? What, what keeps you like going? Oh, God, I love learning. It's a learning mindset. You know, just, Brian, we have this history and this saying that I, I said it once a long, long time ago, you have to get out there and pretend you know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And, and from that, the inspiration comes, right? Yeah, I yeah. just, I love that. That's very design thinking. That's a, a way that design, successful designers are able to do that. They, they are able to understand their biases and kind of approach things with a blank slate and be able to put themselves in the position of someone else. Now, if I didn't know all that I know, and I'm just this another person from another perspective, how would it hit me? Right. And I think, so I think that like what I'm hearing you say is that it's, it's not really like it it is pretending you don't know anything, but it's, it's sort of taking the precedent of what you do know in your experience and setting that, which can be a bias aside and staying open-minded so that you are you are not walking into a situation going, I know this stuff already. Yeah. Because if you do, then you don't learn, right? Yeah. That's uh, you know, it's an amazing insight because I think that it, it helps people to, people get to a certain phase in their career sometimes where they will constantly reference what they've already done. Right. 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 And then understand it's really truly listening and truly being open to learn whatever there is to learn. And with listening comes rejection, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Uh-huh. So what? Am I going to be rejected? <laughs> no. You are saying. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you propose an idea, right, and it doesn't find an audience, right, and you and it and it hits, what is that like for a, for you specifically as a designer? Like, what do you? How do you handle that? Well, I mean, it, it's you know, like if you're creating fine art, then mm-hmm. then it's it's super personal to you. But when it's design, it's like there's a, there's I like to separate the strategy and the tactics. Okay, and what that's that helpful. So the strategy is what are we trying to do? Okay. What are we trying to create? And so in let me reference a, under something understandable. So a product planner might come up to a col- like approach a color that I've designed and say, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's very personal. Right. So you bring the conversation back to what is the strategy of this color? What do we want this color, this design to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, Who here's the for? goals. Yeah. And here the tactic is what I've chosen to execute it. So then you can start to pick apart. Are we off by strategy? Or are we off by the so execution? It, them saying, I don't like it, might actually be the response you want to hear if they're not in the target audience for that color. Right. Then I, yeah, we'd it say, well, validation. that's... Exactly. You, well, if... Yeah, so you want to clarify, you don't like it, but um, this the minivan mom who's got five kids driving around, what would she think of it? What's where's how, what's her view of the world and her view of that product be? And so that helps you sort of um, uh, evolve or, or take that criticism into heart. And when okay, this is this is a, big, a, a really great question for you because I know that like so many of the products you work on are uh they sell well i mean cars you've worked on sell around the world Mm -hmm. and you know the products you've worked on since then um what what happens when a product when a product doesn't meet its market what do you what's what what do you how do you how do you say that how do you say (laughs) what's next because i have that happen all the time i know there's cars i see driving on the road and i'm like oh i think that was a good that that seemingly was a good idea at the time yeah yeah (laughs) and and then it's like a whoops yeah Uh, yeah What's um? What is your uh, most proud moment of in automotive in your career? Oh boy, that's a big one. Uh, proud moment. I mean, I think I have pride in my resiliency of of switching from automotive into a new 
industry, and then recently I've switched into yet another new industry. So taking those, I, my pride comes from taking my core skills and my core thinking mm -hmm. and being able to learn the specifics of a new industry. Excellent. Um, and right now you're working at a company that does storage. For uh, it's furniture, yeah. Furniture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's been what's that been like transitioning from? Because there's some similarities between car design and furniture design. Oh yeah, well, I mean it's super fun because uh, right now the I work for a product that costs about two to three thousand dollars, and so for me the similarity is like understanding the psychology. What is the product? Like, uh, what, what are it's, you creating? Uh, it's called the company is we're changing the, we're changing names, but right now it's called the original scrap box and okay. we're changing it to create room. So I'm part of a team right now. I'm leading the rebrand and new product strategy. But basically it's uh, it's a closed armoire that opens up and becomes an all in one craft room. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. it's fun. And so uh, the connection between automotive and this is that in I in automotive. I designed the Quest minivan at one point, mm -hmm. the color materials, and understanding how women connect with a space and a place of their own that serves a very practical need and a very emotional need. Mm -hmm. And being understand what moves people to purchase something, a high ticket item from $30,000 vehicle, or, you know, in this case, it's not as relative, but it's a $3,000 furniture piece. And so it's a lot of the same type of work. And in the same type of work, is it like connecting with people? Uh, so in this specific thing, I would think you're connecting with people who are creatives versus people who have a need to move things around. True. Yeah. Right? And that's a fun market. Yeah. And so what, 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 how do you find the way in? How do you connect? What, what is it that you do to, to make it appeal to those people? I think it's understanding that while people are buying a product, they're actually buying an experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they and it's really we're we're kind of done with the age of selling features and benefits and products. We're sell we're selling the promise of an experience and a life you will lead with this product. So, and uh, the life you will lead will be a creative one. So it's something about opening up the your joyful place. time you'll have crafting or the experiences in a minivan, the experiences of joy you'll have as a mom with your kids when you're on a road trip or mm -hmm. it's, it's all about that. That's really, I mean, I think it's a nice tie into the work that you've done and the work that you're going to do next, which leads me to the question of what, what is your dream as, as a creative person who's worked in a lot of industry? What is your dream uh, project? What would you love to work on next? If you could imagine uh, I, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's truly just anything that has a, re a big research component mm -hmm. and learning about people and the stories of the individuals. I just love that balance of like, we call it qualitative research okay. versus quantitative. So qualitative is like really understanding the why. It's a connection. Mm -hmm, the connection. And yeah. the, the emotional connections that people make to the products they buy. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? That's yeah. That's fascinating. So that's probably where your career will continue to go, right. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, what advice, as we get closer to wrapping up here, what advice would you give a young designer who is thinking about leaving their day job let's say somebody who's been in an industry mm. and they want to work for themselves they want to try something new what advice would you give yourself or them at that moment of desire to move on like i i would say i really do believe in the power of just like opening up and setting your intention about what you want to do I, as much as i've i've worked hard in my life to bring opportunities in my way as much as I've worked hard, things seem to drop out of the air. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, so interesting. So you're putting the intention out there, but then things show up. Yeah, really. Yeah. It, I do believe that. Yeah. It's, it's really like just keep working in that direction and believe and 
don't give up. It will yeah. things the universe will connect with you. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. I I believe that too that if you, you know, you you put out there what you love and what you want to do, the work does come mm. even in the scary moments, but And no, there's scary moments. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jill, I I'm so grateful you're my first guest. This is a lot of fun and I look forward to seeing what you do next. Where can people find your work? Uh, uh my website is designful. It's D E S I G N F U L dot studio okay designful.studio jill canales thank you so much i'm brian thompson and uh this is uh driven by design and how do people find you brian well people can find me here and also at (laughs) that's right each and every week right here in oc talk radio oc talk radio right here and also online at brian thompson design brian with a y brian with an i you can spell it wrong you spell it right i'll be there because i bought all the domains because my name's so common That's awesome. I know it's terrible when my renewal bill comes up, but I'm also on all social media platforms at Brian S. Thompson, B-R-Y-A-N-S-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Instagram is my favorite. Can I ask just one quick question? I'm listening to you too. You obviously have a history. You guys go back. You're laughing. You, you get along. I can tell you're talking in a shorthand here. We're all trying to take notes. Are there lots of you in this world, or is this a small clan? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I think that it's a, it, it, it is a, there are a lot of car designers, mm. but uh, it's a small enough industry that I think we, you, you get to know each other in the car industry. And it, it's an industry that's changing because cars are being, because cars are changing. So people that were specifically car designers before are coming from all different industries. So it's mm. growing. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we look forward to getting to know all of you that much better here on Driven by Design. Thanks for coming by today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks for being happy. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.